Our Father God in heaven, uh, Lord, we thank you. Um, God, we, we ask as we come into your house that, uh, Lord, that we can focus on you. Uh, not that we shouldn't focus on you the rest of the week, but God, you, you speak to us and you work amongst us um, and in us uh, in a special way when we come together. So, uh, God, we ask uh, in, in the next few minutes as we open your word and as we, as we jump in, as we dive in, that we can just uh, lay the, the, the cares of the, the world aside, um, not worry about uh, what is going on, not that it's not important, but, God, uh, none of it uh, is outside of your view. Uh, so, God, you have something to say about everything. So, God, speak to our hearts today. And uh, Lord, through it all, let us just uh, be able to enjoy uh, you and glorifying you. So we pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. There. So um, I'll ask this. How are we doing today? Good? Good? Blessed? Fabulous? All right. So um, if you have a Bible, here's what I want you to do. Uh, I want you to open up to Exodus chapter 20. Because we're going to um, continue on. We're in week two now of our Ten Commandments series. We're going to hit, hit the first of the Ten Commandments. But as you're opening to that, I want to kind of recap just a little bit. Uh, because uh, what I want to make sure of is that... And, and please, I'm not trying to insult your intelligence. I just... I know that my wife has to tell me things 25 times before it comes. It goes through my thick skull. So... Uh, we're, we're somewhat alike in here. Uh, but what I want us to understand is, is the reason why we're, we, which we're doing this. The reason why we are, are, are going to be looking at the Ten Commandments, the, the, the reason um, that, that, that um, this is going to impact your life, or I should say how it's going to impact your life. And, and we talked last week that... Um, we're taking the, 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 the reformed tradition, the, the, the tradition that um, says that, that, you know, the, 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 the law that, that, uh, that is referred to, the Ten Commandments, the law, you read about that all through uh, the epistles of Paul. The law is not a means of salvation. So what, what, that, what we said and we established is that you don't have to abide by the Ten Commandments to, uh, 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 to be saved by God. That there's no justification, there's no being made right before God by the works of the law. And I hope that that, that, that was um, driven down deep last week, that we, we understand that, okay, it's, it's not that I have to abide by the, the law, and it's not the, the works of the law that, that is justified, but it's faith in Jesus Christ alone that we are justified by. But being, being justified by faith alone, that does not mean that we take, and I, I, I used the, uh, uh, the, the Kleenex box there last week, take the law and throw it out. There's purpose for the law. There, there, there is, and what we, we um, talked about last week, that there's freedom in the law. Galatians 5, uh, 1 says, for freedom you have been set free. Do not return to the, the, the yoke. Don't, don't be enslaved. Don't turn, return to that yoke of slavery. Uh, the, the same thing we're going to see here is Jesus, or I'm sorry, is God is going to speak through Moses and, and, and say that I brought you out of Egypt. I brought you out of slavery. And, and, and I love that imagery that, that you've been brought out of slavery. Then he gives, here's the Ten Commandments. Same with us. We've been brought out of slavery. And here's a way in which we, we should live our lives. 
And, and we talked about the, the, the rule of life, and that's what the, um, uh, the, the, the Ten Commandments are. And, and we talked about how it provides a motivation for um, progressing in, in, in our walk with Christ, progressing down this road, the understanding that sometimes we're not going to have all of the answers, and we know that, but what, what we do understand is with, with these uh, parameters, these boundaries, we know how we're going to be guided through life and how we can most glorify God. Um, on that, that, that thought of, of um, being guided, uh, I, I, I thought it would be interesting just kind of to, to expand our minds a little bit and think about what, what, what does a guide do? And is, and is a guide necessary? Um, well, I, I believe sometimes that a, a guide is necessary. And, and let's look, on, uh, look at, at a guide or think of a guide as uh, something that is a physical guide. Uh, say um, uh, that, that you go to a foreign place. All right, so you're going to go to wherever it may be. You can, uh, you can pick wherever it is, whatever city or, or, or uh, state or, or country, whatever, in, in your mind and think about that, about, about having a guide at that place. Because here's the deal. Um, without a guide in a foreign place, uh, you may get lost. Uh, I mean, or um, you could get hurt. Uh, you, you may even die because you're not guided properly. If you're like in a jungle or something and you're not guided, you may, um, you may die. You may be in West Virginia and you may you just die because you're up in the hills and there's nothing around, right? Snakes. But there may be snakes. Those are things, that, the, the bad things that can happen. But in, in, in even taking that a little bit uh, further, maybe you don't, you don't get lost or you don't um, uh, get hurt or you don't die. Maybe it's that without a guide, you don't enjoy the fullness of wherever you're at. Say you're in um, Rome, and you don't have a guide to take you around to all of the different places. You're not going to be able to enjoy the fullness of where you're at. Yeah, you might have a map. And that's the thing. You might, you land and you get to where you're going, and they give you, here's a map of the city. You might even have a compass, but without understanding how to use the map and understanding how to use a compass and understanding the different landmarks and everything, that's all useless. So a guide can, can be very, very, very important. Well, and I, I say all this, and I think about um, a couple years ago, uh, my family and I, we went to Gettysburg. Uh, any of you been to Gettysburg? If you haven't, uh, it's, it's, a, it's a great place to go. Uh, you should go there. Um, but when you go there, don't make the mistake in which we made. Uh, the mistake in which we made was Cheapo here said, we don't need to, I mean, they have guides there that take you around and everything and tell you about certain things that happen. I said, no, we don't need that. There's an app. And there is. There's a Gettysburg app in which you can put on your phone and you go to different places and it tells you about it. But my wife will, will, will attest to this. We found ourselves when we were going to these different places that the, the, the map showed us where to go, we would start like scooting a little bit closer to people who actually paid the money to get the guide just to hear all of what was going on. <laughs> she's, yeah, she's covering her face. Like, mm -hmm. like we were mooching. We were mooching off of what they were doing. But there was great value in that guide. I mean, we, we, we learned a lot of stuff, not by a stupid app on a phone. We learned a lot of stuff by eavesdropping on somebody else who paid the money that, for, for, the, for the guide. 
Well, I, I, I say all that because I think it's important um, that uh, we, we, we need to understand that Christianity is like being in a foreign land sometimes. Christianity, when we understand that, um, that we need to be guided and, and, and we don't need to just be wandering around because there are a lot of people that are Christians, and I'm not saying that, that, that you're not. I'm not questioning anybody's salvation, but there are a lot of Christians that are just wandering around aimlessly. Well, I got a map, and I got a compass. Well, you, either you don't know how to use it, or maybe you're just not using it. You, you, you need a, a guide. Because what, what happens is um, we, we pass by. So, so in, in our Christian walk, we pass by others that are maybe um, they, they know how to use the, 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 the map, they, 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 and they, they know how to use the compass. Some of them are, um, they're being guided, and they're, they're following their guide. But then there's some that are like, you know, I could do this better on my own. I don't need, and this is, everybody in here has probably encountered this with somebody at one point or another. I, I don't need to go to church to be a Christian. You, you're, you're absolutely, you're totally right. You do not need to go to church to be a Christian. But where are you going to be guided from? Who's going to be guided? Well, I, you know, I, I just follow the Spirit. Great. Where's your accountability? Who's going to, to show you that, that this is wrong and this is right and this is what God wants us to do? How are you going to be pushed to grow? Well, we understand, and I'm not like saying that to everybody here. I'm saying we, we've encountered these people that are guideless. Well, what we need to understand is without a guide, we're, we're, we, we, will we make progress? Yeah, possibly. But we'll be able to enjoy the fullness a whole lot more if, we have, if we're guided on our journey. Like when we went to Gettysburg, I, I mean, if we ever go back now, I'm going to, you know, ante up and, and we're going to pay the money to, uh, to get, get the guided tour because we would have enjoyed it a whole lot better. <laughs> a little bit of a litmus test there. If you ask my kids, any one of my kids about going to Gettysburg, they'll probably not say anything about any of the sites in which we've seen uh, because dad was kind of scattered and trying to tell them. And I didn't, I'm reading here and I don't know. I'm not a history guy when it comes to that kind of stuff. But they'll tell you there's a great buffet in, in Gettysburg. <laughs> <laughs> but and if you think about that, that's where our minds go. If we, when we're not guided in the right directions and we're not enjoying what God has for us, we fixate on something else. And it's not that maybe that something else is not bad. It's just it's not the full enjoyment in which God has for us. So when we're going through um, the, the, the Ten Commandments and everything, what, what I want us to understand is this is a guide. The, the Ten Commandments are a guide for our life so we can live free. It's a guide to live free. And, and, and that guide, it, it guides us in, in this free relationship with God. And that's what he intends for us. It's not a burdensome. It's not a big backpack that we got to put on. We talked about last week. You don't, it's not to, to strap this on your back to, oh, I got to trudge along the way. No, understanding the freedom that comes through the Ten Commandments, that's what God wants for us because he says, for freedom you've been set free. So I, I, I say all that out and I throw all this out to us so we understand as we go into each one of these commandments, this is not a burden. This is a freeing, this is a freeing action. So, you're there in, in Exodus chapter 20. In Exodus chapter 20, as I turn there, 
That's in the Old Testament, right? All right. All right. So uh, in Exodus chapter 20, what we have is the people of God are at the, 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 the foot of the mountain. They're at the foot of, of Mount Sinai. They've, they've been freed from slavery. They're, they're, they're waiting on a word from God here. And I, I, I love how this all starts out because in this, we're going to look at these, these first three verses here in, in chapter 20. And in, in these first three verses, we're going to three, see three observations or what I'm going to call guiding truths. Three guiding truths. Verse 1. And God spoke all these words, saying... Now, real quick, if you want the context of everything that's going on, take some time to read back through a few chapters before in Exodus here, because there's a lot of cool things. We're going to talk about a few of them, but there's a lot of stuff that's going on here that brought the nation of Israel up to this point. And it says that God spoke all these words, saying... I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. Now, I, I think that, uh, and it was kind of, um, I got to be disciplined in, in my approach here because I, I think that uh, the first commandment and the second commandment, they go together like real well. And it's easy to kind of um, just go take both of the first two commandments and, and, and you know, sandwich them together, slam them together, and just, uh, hey, we, we accomplished two commandments today. Now we're, we're only in a 10-week series versus 11-week. No, I, I think that there's a lot of, 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 of interesting and, and applicable points that we can see in just this first commandment. Because I, I think that, that as we look at this, and, and right, um, right off the, the, the cuff, when, when it says here that um, God spoke, He's speaking to his people. He says, I am the Lord, your God. The first guiding truth here is that God is a personal God. He says, I, he identifies himself, I am the Lord, your God. He's speaking to the people. And why is that important? I think the, 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 the reason that that is so important is in a, a world that people say things like, and I'm not, I'm not busting anybody's chops here, people say things like the man upstairs or, you know, that, and they point to God, you know, he, he's there. And there, there's a little bit of disconnect in relationship. There are a lot of people who talk about God, but they don't have a, a personal relationship with God. He's like some uh, Star Wars, and I can't stand Star Wars, so I don't know anything about it other than I know the saying, may the force be with you. So, some people think of God as this force. No, God makes it very clear, and he declares that he is a personal God. I, the Lord your God. So I, I think that as we're, we're going to see here, and, and my, my, um, my objective here is we're going to look at this, I'm going to give you these three guiding truths, and then we're going to look and see how, how does this impact your daily walk with Christ. So this first one here, and I, I get it, you can already start to be thinking about you can already you know, start to think about this. 
that, that God's saying, I'm a personal God. I am the Lord your God. So what we understand is when he's talking to the, 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 the people here, um, these people have been chosen by God. These are God's chosen uh, people. If you, um, uh, you, you want to turn back to Exodus chapter 2. In Exodus chapter 2, uh, verse 23, it's kind of where a lot of this like started to, uh, uh, the, the whole Exodus um, started to, to really take effect. Exodus chapter 2, verse 23, it says, During those many days the king of Egypt died, and the people of Israel groaned because of their slavery and cried out for help. So I, I know this is not like us because none of us would groan or anything like that, right? Are we awake? All right. Their cry for rescue from slavery came up to God. I, I like that because I, I think that it's important that um, there, there's a difference of just um, griping, I'll put it politically correct. There's a difference between griping about something and, there's a, and then a difference between groaning and crying out to, to, to God. Don't, don't be the one that's just grumbling and mumbling and griping. These people end up doing this a few years later. Uh, and, and, um, but anywho, here though it says, And God heard their groaning, and God remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. God saw the people of Israel, and God knew. The covenant in which God, uh, um, God made with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob was a covenant that was not broken by no matter what king or, or what effect there was, no, no matter what situation. When God said, I, the Lord, your God, he was, he was remembering that covenant that he made. God's the only one that can keep every promise that he gives. And here he, he, he's starting out this, I'm giving you these, these, these ten commandments here, these, these, um, these, these guiding truths, these, these, these rules for your life. And the reason that, that I'm giving you them, the first thing is, is because I'm, I'm, I'm with you. I'm your God. I'm personal. I'm in your life. I'm a part of your life. I'm not some, some distant uh, uh, deity. I'm... I'm here. I'm, 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 I'm never going to leave you. I'm never going to forsake you. I, and I, yeah, okay, leave, move on. No, grasp that. Just, just think of the God of the universe, the one who created everything, saying, I am the Lord, your God. How much more personal can that be? If I looked at my son, if I looked at Gabe, and, and it's obvious that yeah, I'm his dad, but if I looked at him and, 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 and said, you are my son, th th those are more than words. There's a connection. That there, there's a depth to that. And this is what God is doing here. Not only um, are, are these people chosen by God, these people have been led by God as well. Turn to Exodus chapter 13 real quick. In Exodus 13, uh, verse 21, um, 21 through, through uh, 22 here, 21 and 22. So after they, they've been freed out of, and this is why these, these are such, they're, they're cool stories. Take some time to really go through them. But after they've been um, led out of Egypt, they're in the wilderness, they're, they're, not, being, they're not just kind of 
aimlessly, okay, where do we go? What do we do? Okay, God, what's going on? It says here in verse 21, And the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of cloud to lead them along the way, and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light, that they might travel by day and by night. The pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night did not depart from before the people. So, so, so remember, they've been freed from, from slavery. They've been freed from Egypt, and God's guiding them. He's guiding them by a, 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 a big cloud, a pillar of cloud in the day, and at night, it's a pillar of fire. So when, when he says, I am the Lord your God, they know that they can relate to that because he's been guiding them. He's been leading them this whole time. I think it's also important that, that, that God is not him hauling around here. Like, like, like God's like, eh, yeah, I'm, I could be. No, he, he's very direct in his, his, what he's saying. I, I am your God. I, I, I've chosen you. I've led you. Now here's what I'm going to give you. Is that this, is, this is out of my love for you is what I'm going to give you Here. Go back to Exodus chapter 20. So I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. I think another thing that we can see here in this text, another observation, a guiding truth, is not only is God a personal God, God's a powerful God. God's a powerful God. It says that he's the one that delivered them and that brought them out of slavery. They've been enslaved for over 400 years. And it's God that brought them out of slavery. And in him bringing them out, some powerful things took place. Everybody has seen the Ten Commandments, so you're like, oh yeah, no, right, the Red Sea was split, right? Yeah, that's pretty powerful. God split the Red Sea where all of the nation of Israel, um, we don't know the exact number. It's calculated over a million, maybe even two million people because there was not only the Israelites, there were some um, uh, Egyptians that went along that there were proselytes of, uh, of them. So there, there were a lot of people crossing the Red Sea here. Millions of people who cross, so for a million people to, to go across the, the, this, 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 this waterway, it says that the God brought this big east wind, and he blew back, he, he separated, he parted the sea, and uh, the, 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 the people crossed on dry land. Dry land. Why is that important? Well, it's important because not only did uh, God part the sea to, uh, to uh, allow the, 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 um, the people to cross, he took that same sea in that same situation and made it a little bit muddy so the Egyptians, when they tried to cross, they got stuck and God in his power and his might destroyed the Egyptian army. Who was witness to this? The people. So the, the, the power of God is displayed in this, um, this huge, unheard of um, miracle here that took place in, in, in the splitting of the Red Sea. Uh, another important um, thing, another important powerful act that they saw was uh, they were hungry and they didn't have anything to eat. 
So what God did is, is he told Moses, okay, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going I'm to make it, uh, I'm going to make bread come from heaven. You're going to wake up in the morning and there's going to be this white stuff all over the ground. You're not going to know what it is. And that's actually what its name is, manna. I, I, I don't know what it is. So let's just call it what it is. I don't know. That's what manna means. I, I don't know what it is. So they, they have this manna, but they, they, they got the, the, the manna as a provision from God, this powerful act of God. Are, are there many? Yeah, they got quail too. I mean, it was uh, an, an awesome uh, uh, time for the people to, to see God's uh, manifest presence among them in the acts in which he was doing. I, I, another another um, uh, uh, event, another thing that happened was that, that, that water came from a, a rock, the, 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 the people are like, well, hey, we don't have water. Well, the first time it was, there's this big uh, pool of water, but it's bitter. And, and God says, okay, hey, take this log and throw it in it, and it, it won't be bitter anymore. And they drink of it. Well, the next time he says, okay, uh, Moses, here's what I want you to do. I want you to speak to this rock. I, I mean, some of you are like, I, I totally understand that because I speak to a rock every day. Um, don't talk about Jake like that. Um, <laughs> Hey, I've made it this far. I mean, and it's been, I haven't said anything bad. <laughs> as long as they don't throw themselves back, right? <laughs> but Moses spoke to, the, to uh, the, the rock, but then another time he actually hit the rock, and, and um, it's a good thing it wasn't uh, Dwayne Johnson, right? Because he would probably hit back. Um, come on now, you guys get that? Right? Oh, goodness gracious. But the powerful act that God manifesting himself by providing for his people. So, so God, we, we understand and we can see through him uh, delivering his people. And, and not to mention the 10 plagues that, 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 that he performed before the people came out of, of, of Egypt. So when we read this and we're, and we're, we're looking into the, 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 this first commandment, we know that God's personal, but we know he's powerful. But I, I like this one. And I was, you know, keeping on the, 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 uh, the, the P theme. So I'm thinking, okay, what goes with personal and what goes with powerful? And I couldn't think of anything, so I Googled P words. That, but it was like, it was, like it, it was, yeah, this is perfect. Peerless. God is peerless. Oh, what, what, what does that mean? Does that mean he's a, a water faucet? Because <laughs> that's what we were thinking, right? Some of us were like, peerless, that's my water. That's what I do use at home. The, exactly. God has no equal. So not only is he personal, not only is he powerful, he has no equal. He's matchless. He's matchless in every way. And, and, and this is where we really see how the, 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 the full effect of when he says, you shall have no other gods before me. The reason that he says that you shall have no other gods before me, because no other gods match up to him. And, and this is very um, applicable to these people because they just came out of, of Egypt who have, they, where, where there's multiple gods, small letter G gods. Here God is saying that you shall have no other gods before me, and it could be also rendered, you shall have no other gods besides me. Not that there are any other big letter G gods. There is no deity that, that um, uh, matches or is equal to God. But what he's saying there is you shouldn't have any gods 
I don't care if they're small gods or what they are, but me. We're going to see next week, that, and this is why I think that we can take this in where the first and the second commandment kind of come together. We're going to see that God is a jealous God, and God's the only one who can be righteously jealous. But here what we see that no other deity, we should have no other deity but God. Well, okay, that's fine. I, I, I believe in God. Well, just think about this. What is a deity? Anything that controls you, a controlling force. Maybe it's thoughts. Maybe it's a concept. There is nothing or no one that should compete with God in your life. That's, that's difficult sometimes. That's busy. We have busy lives. Remember what I said last week, and I think I said this. If not, I was thinking it. If as we're going through these Ten Commandments, if you disagree with one of the Ten Commandments, you're not disagreeing with me. You're disagreeing with God. So when God says, you shall have no other gods before me or besides me, there's no buts or there's no asterisk beside this or at the end of it, except for this, that, and the other. No, God's saying none, nada, zero, zilch. So we understand that he's peerless. As, 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 as we look at this, as we look at personal, and as we look at powerful, I, I think the equation one plus two equals three. Uh, math major, right? Woohoo! No, but look at that. Personal and powerful equals peerless because the, even as personal as we want to be, we, we, we fail at that sometimes. And it, it, as, as powerful as we want to be, we fail at that a lot of times. But only God can be completely personal, completely powerful, which makes him completely unmatched. It makes him peerless. So when God is giving this command to his, 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 his people here and essentially giving it to us because we're his people, he's not saying you can't have another a God before me because, you know, I don't want you to do what he wants you to do, but I want you to do it. He's saying, what is best for you? In your best interest, in my best interest here, no one matches God. No one can measure up to him. God's saying, I love you enough, even though you don't understand it. I love you enough to tell you what you need. Maybe it's not what you want. That, that, that's, that's hard for some people. That's hard for me a lot. Hey, God, I, I'm praying this way. And it doesn't mean that we, should, we shouldn't pray for things. No, we should. I'm praying. I want this. And, and, and I could even say, like, I really need X, Y, and Z. And God's saying, no, that's, that's not what you need. I'll give you what you need. Sometimes what, we, what, what we're praying for and what we actually need, they don't, they don't add up. Well, well, how do you fix that? Well, I, I think the first thing is, is as we're, we're going to be talking about these commandments, is identifying um, that these commandments are, are going to uh, really mold our hearts. Maybe the, the, one of the, the big things, and we'll talk next week, is there's idolatry going on in your life. And you're, you're thinking that you need this, but God's saying, no, you, you actually really need this over here. But you're so consumed by other gods and other things that you're missing what it is you really need. But I love you enough not to answer that prayer, but to point you in this direction. 
That, that's, that's what the, these guiding truths, that's what this, this, these, these rules for life are all about. Now, w- w- with all of that said, I, I want to take that, that, that commandment and I want to now transition in that, that commandment into um, uh, more of, of the, uh, um, the now. So since the truths in which we just, we just saw in that commandment, and now I'm not nullifying anything, what I want to do is I want to take that no other gods before me, and those three guiding uh, truths that we saw, and, and, and bring that into, okay, because of that, how does that impact my daily walk with Christ? Because that's what really matters. What really matters is, okay, taking the truths of God and now applying them to my life. Because a lot of people will, will, will know the truths, but there's no application with it. I could have the Ten Commandments up on my wall, in my house or wherever, and say, those are the truths, but I cannot live by them. We need to apply them. So, in due fashion, how does this impact my walk with Christ? I, I think that uh, we understand that, that, that Jesus says in Matthew five seventeen, I did not come to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. All right, so if he's come to fulfill the law, I think it's important so that we take each one of these and say, okay, how does Christ fulfill this? How can I, being in Christ, being a believer in Jesus Christ, see the law fulfilled through me and in me and free me to live a life for him? So let's look at the first one, personal. Uh, Turn to Ephesians chapter 2. And there are many, many, many references, many things that you can plug into each one of these. I'm just grabbing one example from each just to kind of get you an idea. But, but take, take time this week and, and see what other personal um, interaction and personal uh, uh, truths that you can find in Scripture that, that are, are, are directly ref- reflective of uh, Jesus and, and what he is doing um, in, in, um, in and through the fulfillment of the law. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 18 says this, For through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Stop there. Yes, we can go on, but that personal element is because of Jesus, because of what Jesus has done, That is how we are brought into the household of God. It's because of the finished work of Jesus Christ, the fulfillment of the law, that we're brought into relationship and we can have that that personal connection with Christ. Don't don't, don't overlook that because what we have to understand is before Christ came into our lives, we were alienated. We were strangers. We were aliens. We weren't always children of God. And we've talked about that before. Everybody's like, oh, we're all children of God. No, the Bible says that we're not. It says that we're dead. We're dead in our trespasses and sins. It says only through Christ you can be made a child of God. And this is that personal, that personal connection, that, 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 that personal truth in which we can, we can draw from what God says in his commandments. The second thing, powerful. This is one of my favorite. Go to John chapter 10. John 
John chapter 10, verse 17 and 18. I, I chose this one because I don't know how much more powerful you, you can get than this. Jesus is speaking here and he says, For this reason the Father loves me, because I lay down my life, that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. Just, just, just think about that. How much more powerful does it get? Jesus is essentially saying, no one's going to kill me. It's not like that, 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 that I didn't see this coming. I'm laying down my life. I have that authority. And everybody in here has that same authority right now. You can say, yeah, you know what? I can lay down my life. And you'd be legit. But no one in here can say, I have the authority to take it back up again. Only Jesus has that authority. I, 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 I love this in it. That, that is the ultimate show of power. I mean, we can talk about examples of Jesus and his, his miracles and, and, and uh, you know, the healings and, and everything. But nothing, nothing trumps the rising from the dead. Nothing. And he had that authority. And he claims that authority. So as we look at this and we're thinking about, okay, you have no other gods before me. Why should you have no other gods before me? Well, yes, because that's what God said. But because there's no greater authority anywhere. Common sense, logic tells you that. The greatest authority, the greatest power lies in our God. And he's saying, no, don't have any other gods before me. Not just because I said so, because you don't need any more. One is enough. I am sufficient The third one, peerless. I, I, I think um, Peter says it's the best in Acts chapter 4. Acts chapter 4, and, and some of you probably have this, you know, underlined, memorized, and everything in your Bible. When uh, Peter and John are before the council, and, and, and Peter's talking here, he says there in, in, in uh, verse 12, and there is salvation in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. God is without an equal. Jesus is being identified here. Peter is saying there is no other way in which you can be saved. doesn't matter how, much, how many good works you do. No matter how many times you pray, how much money you give, how much service you, have, you, you, you put forth. Nothing Nothing under the sun, nothing that, that, that you can dream up, no other name gives salvation other than Jesus. He is without, without a match. So when, we, when we're talking, remember, we're talking where it says, have no other gods before me. You shall have no other gods before me. Again, it's because no one, nothing can stand in that position. Nothing can match God's greatness. Nothing can match the majesty of Jesus Christ, his preeminence. As we look at these and as we just kind of reflect on, okay, no other gods, 10 commandments, Jesus has fulfilled all of them. 
my life is and will be different if I, if I live by what he said. It's not legalism, it's freedom. Just, just think about this. You know me, I'm a simple mind, I got to keep things very simple. So, if my focus is on one God, I can put my focus on him. It doesn't need to be diversified. I know everybody in our society is diversify everything. So if something like fails, you have a backup. God never fails. And if God never fails, you can put all your eggs in one basket. So when he says no other gods, what our response to that, how our, our daily walk is going to be impacted is telling yourself every single day, I, I don't need another God. I've got my God. No other God. Nothing else can, can match up. Nothing stands up to him. And as we're going to see, it, since nothing stands up to him, it doesn't matter what we face because he's greater than anything we face. Anything. It, it, it may be a, a dark situation. I, I get it. I'm not, not, not bringing anything down, not minimizing anything, but nothing takes God off, off guard. No, nothing catches him off guard. Like, oops, I didn't see that, right? No, nothing. He is all-powerful. So, as we uh, continue in our, in, in, our, in our series in the weeks to come, what I don't want you to do is, oh, I got that one, all right, put it away. Got the next one, all right, file it away. Throughout this week, just meditate upon what God says about, I don't need it, I, I don't need any God. I don't need any other God but him. When, when the devil starts to bring things in, in and say, hey, you need this. You need... No, I, I don't need any other God. There's no other God going to fill that role in my life. And just rest on that. And then next week when we, we talk about uh, not having any idols, rest on, on those two. And let's build this. And, and, and it, just see how God's going to transform your, your daily walk with him. I'm confident of that. I'm confident that if you're faithful, if I'm faithful, if we're obedient to him, we're going to see the blessings come. Let's pray. Before I pray, I, I want to make sure that, I, that we know um, communion. We're going to be doing communion. Uh, that... Uh, this is a time of remembrance. It's symbolic of the broken body, of the shed blood of Jesus. Because I think that as we go through all of this, this commandment talk, and as we're learning these commandments, we can kind of learn it in our head, but what we need to do is we need to apply it in our heart. So uh, this is a time to take everything that we're, we're, we're teaching and just let it settle in and commit it to the Lord. So the commitment that, that maybe you'll make today is as you partake of communion, you're going to say, as I partake of the broken body and the shed blood, God, I, I want to commit to um, identifying you as the only God that I need in my life every single day. Maybe it's something like that. Whatever it is, act upon it. Our elders will be up here. Um, if you want to, uh, want, want somebody to pray with you, 
But just take this as what it is, a time of, of remembrance, of celebration. Our Father God in heaven, Lord, my, my prayer is that um, as we have begun into your commandments, as we have begun into the, 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 the words in which you have said, if you love me, you will obey these. God, let us live in that obedience. God, let us not just fall into like, oh man, I broke number four today. So no, let, let us fall into the, the, the fact that if we do slip, that your grace abounds and we're not in slavery anymore, but we're free to live for you. Holy Spirit, just stir among us. Lord, prepare our hearts to partake of your supper. Lord Jesus, if there's someone here that doesn't have that personal relationship with you, let, let, let the Spirit just deal with them now. And, and maybe that's them that they need to come up and, and pray with one of the elders. Like, I, don't, I, want, I, I want to believe, I want to trust God, I just don't know how. Father, we love you. Holy Spirit, we welcome you. Jesus, we thank you for what you've done. It's in your name that we pray this. Amen.